Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, welcome to Game Changers. I have a question for you. Have you ever thought about what it's like to be a pro athlete dealing with a painful injury during the season? I bet you haven't. I didn't, but I started thinking about it when we lost the life of Major League pitcher Tyler Skaggs to a lethal combination of opioids and alcohol less than six months ago. So how many athletes choose to medicate the injury or rather hide it from the staff because they don't want to lose their starting spot on the roster? Well, my guest today, Dr. Glenn Copeland, he is a team doctor for the Toronto Blue Jays since 1979, and he wants to focus on the world of prevention injury. Should we turn to marijuana or CBD for pain relief instead of dangerous opioids? I ask him that. Take a listen. Well, Dr. Glenn Copeland, I am so honored to have you on Game Changers because one thing I know that you and I both have in common is we're both outraged, saddened, and heartbroken about what happened to Angels pitcher Tyler Skaggs. Absolutely. Absolutely, Aaron. A terrible tragedy that really has no place in in, in Major League Sports. It was a, a horrendous um, black mark on on all of sports. Major League pitcher Tyler Skaggs was only 27, and he died of an overdose in July. He had opioids, uh, fent- fentanyl, um, oxycodone. Both were in his system, along with alcohol. Um, and he died while they were on an Angels trip, uh, per an LA Times article that he was being given medicine, um, these opioids, by an Angels employee. So firstly, how serious really is this issue? Is this an issue that um, players in Major League Baseball and perhaps beyond really have uh, to go through in the professional sports world? Well, Aaron, here's, you know, here's sort of the, the story in a nutshell. Now, uh, I, again, as um, I want to be clear that I have no insight into the Angels organization, uh, nor have I ever been involved. So um, each case, of course, is, is different. But when we go back over the years, um, you know, go back 20, 30 years ago when the whole steroid performance enhancement, all these players, whether it's it was Tyler Skaggs or, or any of the players, they're all getting drugs from somebody. So they're not manufacturing, they're, 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 they're buying medications or getting medications from somewhere. So somebody else knows in all these cases um, that, that these uh, players in major league sports are getting these either illegal drugs or drugs that they have no business taking. And and the problem, um, the, the, the single biggest issue is that because they're major league sports people, um, they have access to many, many people that uh, the regular world might not have. So getting getting these drugs in itself is is such a tragedy um, to the point that these these poor kids, boys and girls who are getting into professional sports, are still trying to get rid of the pain, trying to get bigger and stronger, um, and they're they're taking terrible risks with their personal health. Um, and in Tyler Skaggs' case, I mean, it, he gave his life up um, because of of this terrible tragedy of being addicted to to these drugs. So. 
Um, the, the real question that begs to be asked is, is you know, what are we um, in, in all the professional sports doing to protect these players, to, to make sure that it never, ever happens again? Um, and, you know, in so many cases, um, it's uh, these, these, these poor players are getting the medications from um, a friend of the family, um, possibly an employee, possibly one of the guys at the gym they work out in. It goes on and goes on and goes on. Um, but it's, it's, it's next to impossible um, as, a, as, a, as a team doctor um, or a team trainer um, to know because we would be the last people to ever ever know um, what players are doing. Players are are incredibly smart. They they make sure that team doctors and trainers and anybody associated with the team would never know um, you know their involvement in in, in taking uh, things that they shouldn't be taking. Well, and I'm so glad you mentioned that because it is a cycle, if you will, where um, these athletes basically, as you mentioned, they want to stay on the football field or they want to stay on the baseball diamond and they'll do anything in their power not to get replaced by the second guy virtually on the depth chart. And we saw it a month ago or two months ago, whenever it was that Cam Newton uploaded his YouTube video mentioning that he was not upfront about how serious his injury is. And so you have this cycle of athletes, not just in the professional world, but quite possibly college and, you know, even high school who are doing everything they can to stay on the, the lineup or on the, you know, starting lineup. So they take whatever they can because uh, they don't want to be replaced. A hundred percent. And, you know, it, it's interesting, Aaron, because in the world of, of drug abuse, um, people think that that um, uh, players and, and people in general, um, uh, you know, uh, get addicted by choice. They don't get addicted by choice. They, they get addicted um, because, um, A, as you said, they want to stay in the game. Um, they start, you know, uh, taking medication to get rid of the pain. They start taking medication um, for emotional or mental health reasons. Um, they'll start drinking um, because of, you know, emotional, um, reasons or painful reasons. So what they're all doing, every single one of them are self-medicating. And this is, this is probably the biggest thing that we've seen in, in the world of sports, uh, professional and amateur is the self-medication, uh, people taking supplements, uh, like, you know, billions and billions of dollars worth of supplements, uh, and and uh, of course the drugs that we've talked about, um, and they're all self-medicating. In certain cases, they're trying to be stronger, they're trying to be bigger, they're trying to run faster. Um, in in so many cases, we turn to ingesting things um, that are, in many cases, harmful to us, that may have at the very least no effect, and at the very worst, be killers. Um, and, and mixtures of, of, of opioids with alcohol is, is well known as a killer and, and well known uh, to um, cause, you know, in, incredible health problems. But people don't ask for that. Players don't want, they don't believe that they're addicted. They don't believe that they're doing harm to themselves. It's, you know, I'll get through today and I'll get through tomorrow. Um, but as you said, they will do anything to stay on the field. They'll do anything to get stronger and faster. And so, um, you know, it, it's become a major issue. And I, 
I, I think when Mr. Skaggs, you know, passed so untimely, um, uh, you know, I think every every coach, every manager, every team doctor, um, anybody involved with all sports has to start to to look and say, how do we help these kids and how do we prevent these kids from from getting themselves into trouble? And, and uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a call right now for for all of us, uh, society in general, to make mm-hmm. sure this never happens again. Yeah, and I hope it is a wake-up call, and it needs to be a wake-up call. Tyler Skaggs was only 27, as I mentioned. He died in July, but recently married in December, wanting to have kids and have a full life. And as we discussed previously, he didn't want to die. And that's the hardest thing to digest is this man lost his life way too soon, way before his time. And it certainly could have been avoided. So if you can educate us on, and here's the other thing too, I think athletes also because I know in the world that I've worked in and, and even friends of mine put it off. Oh, well, you know, I, I, ho- I only have a small window to do this, to perform at a high level. What are some of those side effects that you're seeing later um, in life that these athletes don't realize they're putting themselves and their health in jeopardy? Well, I'll give you a, a, a great example. Uh, Boston University School of Medicine just uh, released a, a, an incredibly good study on on the hazards of just something as as simple as cortisone uh, cortisone injections, um, and and they did a study on the long term effects of cortisone injections into hips and knees and uh, th- things which which we've known Aaron for for a number of years as suspected. I think this study has shown that it causes um, you know by injecting. Uh, cortisone in, into the knee and the hip. It's causing earlier wear and tear within the, the cartilage of the joint. Um, the longer term effects can lead to to a, to a number of things. So um, if somebody, you know, uh, as an athlete, forget even a professional athlete, but if somebody as an athlete reads into this and says, whoa, whoa, uh, you know, uh, am I prepared to inject or have my knee or hip injected with cortisone knowing the side effects that we know today, I think a lot of people would be um, somewhat skeptical um, to get through uh, two games or um, to to deal with a small problem today that the injection could lead to to earlier and quicker wear and tear down the road. So, you know, and that's a that's you know a pretty uh, common occurrence of you know using cortisone to. To inject, but if we start looking at all the anti-inflammatory medications, and people start to read um, carefully, read what are the side effects of over-the-counter medications that you can buy at all the local drugstores, um, anti-inflammatories that we would take for shoulder pain or knee pain or foot pain. Um, what are, what are the effects, and what are the long-term effects? Like. You know, we're seeing today, um, and again, I won't, uh, you know, mention uh, names, but one of the most common, you know, medications we take for headaches and 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 pains and not feeling well um, is well documented um, for long term use in 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 creating uh, kidney issues to the point that uh, it affects kidney function. And over years of taking medication, we see kidney function go down and down as as time goes on, and so. People are showing up at their doctors and been taking a medication for headaches or colds or or sore shoulders or sore backs, 
and um, they all of a sudden start to see their kidney function dropping, uh, you know, 20, 30, 40 percent. And the, the doctor says, well, are you taking, you know, product X? And the uh, the patient says, well, yeah, I, I, you know, I have bad migraines, so I'm, you know, taking them, you know, three times a week, and I've been doing it for five years or seven years or whatever it is. And even something as simple as that. And once that kidney's function is lost, it's gone. It's it's not coming back. It's not you know we can give you another pill to 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 get your your kidney function back to normal. Um, and so what people don't realize in 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 supplements and um, uh, you know simple over the counter medications, um, there, there's damage that can be done to the human body um, by by overusing anything. Um, and that's why I've always recommended to everybody, before you start taking anything on a regular basis, speak to your family doctor, you know, speak to your caregiver uh, who's educated, a, a, you know, a physician, a nurse practitioner, a physician assistant, um, you know, speak to them and find out, you know, what are you taking? What could it lead to? What are the damages? Um, in so many of these cases with a professional athlete, um, you know, they're getting th this medication when they get started by somebody at the gym, by one of the buddies they go drinking with. Nobody means harm. Nobody's giving them the pill to necessarily get them addicted, but they're giving them the pill because their shoulder was sore. And they take the pill and all of a sudden the shoulder's not sore. So they go back to the source and say, give me another 10. This is great. You know, I can finally pitch or I can finally hit without pain or I can finally throw a football or I can, you know, uh, play basketball um, without pain. And before you know it, it becomes a regular issue. And at, at the end of the day, um, these, these are the concerns. Well, and it becomes a full-blown addiction. And for me, this really hits home because, you know, I had a brother um, who got into a rock climbing accident and hurt his back severely. And um, to get over the pain, he was prescribed Vicodin and became addicted later on in life. And that was truly one of his biggest struggles. So the doctor doesn't necessarily know the individual's mental health in terms of knowing whether or not this person will handle the medication responsibly. And how can they? Because the medic the medicine is highly addictive. So like like you said, and you know, I know this is depressing and sad, but these this is certainly, I hope, eye-opening. And how do we get away from this? Aaron, you're you're hundred percent correct. I mean, um, some people, you know, in the addiction world, and I'm not uh, an authority at all on on addiction, but um, some people will say with fentanyl and and a few of the other um, uh, you know opioid type drugs, um, you know, you, you take two or three of them and you're addicted already. So, um, you know, again, I'm not I'm not an authority on that, and I I can't you know give you an opinion, but. I can say that that nobody, uh, in the best of my knowledge, um, in all the years I've been in practice and, and worked with professional teams, um, I've never seen anybody who started out wanting to get addicted, wanting to get addicted to alcohol, wanting to get addicted to opioids, wanting to get addicted to any medication. Um, but what happens is it's, it's before you know it, um, these people cannot function um, without 
um, uh, these medications. I mean, as simple, uh, you know, I, I can remember um, when I was in my early training in, in my internship, uh, we had a number of docs who couldn't get started in the morning without coffee. Um, and if they didn't have a coffee by, by, you know, say eight o'clock in the morning, they got headaches. Well, it was an addiction. It was an addiction to caffeine. And, and, you know, you could even see it as something as simple as, as, as coffee. Um, but if they didn't get their morning coffee, um, they didn't feel well, they couldn't function, they had headaches. Uh, and, you know, caffeine is a, is a drug like any other drug. So, um, when we start looking at, at, at opioids and alcohol, and and then mixing these these medications, um, you know, um, there there was a, a study in Canada here uh, that came out two days ago um, in in the West Coast, and uh, roughly two people a day die of opioid um, uh, overdosing. Two people a day. Every one of these guys and girls who are dying, none of them, none of them started out thinking they were ever going to get addicted. Uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, I think, you know, we make a major mistake by reaching every single time we have anything wrong, whether it's indigestion, whether it's, um, you know, knee pain, whether it's a headache, reaching for a pill. Um, we, we've got to start looking at what's causing this. We've got to always try and go back on them in the medical world, go back and say, what's our cause and how do we prevent this instead of loading up, um, you know, more pills and, and, and more, more drugs to try and combat. And, and the numbers are 20 to 30 percent of, of patients right now that are in hospital are in hospital with what we call iatrogenic diseases, which means doctor-induced diseases. So these are diseases we, you know, doctors didn't write medications to, to cause harm, but people get addicted and they end up in hospital because of addiction. They end up in hospital because they've had an adverse reaction to a medication that we've given them. Um, Anti-inflammatories can cause stomach bleeding. So all of the, the issues that, that we see in front of us, um, is, is really something that the athlete and or the patient and or the weekend warrior has to start thinking, you know, what am I capable of doing? That's not the way medicine is in 2019. Um, as we've all seen, you know, the, 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 typical, the typical way about going about our, our, our lives is fast and furious. And so you, you can't help but, um, uh, you know, go reaching for, for the pill or the tablet. Now, also, let's say and and be candid, Aaron, that a lot of the new medications are life saving. So let, let's you know, people love to 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 bash um, the the drug companies um, and um, uh, you know look at the drug companies. But when we look at things that are extending life, the the simple stuff. Um, the drugs, the medications we use for hypertension, for diabetes, uh, for for cancer and chemotherapy. Um, th this is these are in so many cases miracle drugs that are prolonging not only life but you know prolonging quality of life. So there's there's many 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 great drugs out there uh, used properly under the right authority with with the right with the right um, healthcare providers. Um, you, you know it, it's 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 quite frankly 
uh, almost unbelievable about the things we can accomplish today um, with with the right treatments. But when we get to the wrong treatments, when we get to using medications to get pain to go away, um, when the pain really has to be dealt with for what's causing the pain, when we start seeing people self-medicating, I think the single biggest issue in my 40 four years of practice is watching people self-medicate and do incredible damage to themselves. I, I couldn't agree with you more because 2019, you know, there's just a pill for everything and technology in today's society, we want everything very convenient and very quick. And we don't like to feel pain or discomfort. Um, and, that just leads to so many problems, like you said, that when, you know, and I can, I find myself uh, guilty of this too. If I have a headache, um, you know, drink water. Well, that takes too long. And if I have a headache or I have an important interview, I don't want to feel ill um, or uncomfortable because my focus is uh, my work. So, and I don't want to take away from that because we just live in a really competitive society. So let me ask you this, doctor, what are some um, and I want to get into the CBD world and I want to get into the marijuana world. But before we talk about that, I wanted to find out what are some of the things that you're implementing inside the locker room with the Blue Jays that are more preventative methods, if you will, in treating injury um, that, you know, you see a guy like Tom Brady, who's 42 and still continuing to be clutch and perform at a really high level without serious injury. So what are you implementing in the locker room that gets away from these invasive uh, treatments where you can uh, prolong, if you will, a, a healthier lifestyle? Sure. So what we do, you know, it, it's very, very interesting in, in, in our world of um, sports medicine, because players uh, across the board uh, are getting, for the most part, much smarter, Aaron. Um, to clearly understand um, the things that they can do um, legally, ethically, morally for themselves and, and for their bodies to not only be better and stronger and um, uh, better players uh, today, but they also want to know that when they leave the game that they're going to be leaving with bodies that are not riddled with issues that are going to uh, show up when they're in their 50s and 60s that they could have prevented. So I think the, 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 there's a number of things. And I think Tom Brady is a great example. Again, I have had nothing uh, uh, on a personal level uh, uh, to do with uh, Mr. Brady and his uh, his protocols that he uses, although um, uh, like all of us, we we read. And um, I think the secret to, to Mr. Brady is, is, has been, um, number one, his training programs that um, he and his his uh, his team put him through. He's got his own team of, uh, of trainers and uh, exercise and strengthening people. So I, I think he carried it to to the ultimate extreme, if you will. Um, he realizes that his his body is his ticket to uh, to success, and so he's taking incredible care um, to train his body, his muscles, uh, his coordination, his hand eye coordination, uh, his strengthening. 
um, to the you know, the ultimate level. I think nutrition is a whole other thing for um, that we're seeing across the board. You know, in the old days, it was nothing for uh, a player to um, to to you know come walking into a clubhouse with uh, a few. Um, fast food hamburgers under their arms and uh, some uh, buckets of chicken from the local fast food chicken place, um, you know, bag full of French fries washed down by uh, a couple of gallons of cola. Well, those days are gone and, and, and long gone. These, these kids today um, are, are nutrition uh, uh, gurus. I mean, they're into veggies, they're, they're into fresh fruits, they're into no fast foods, they're into no saturated fats, um, they're into um, uh, no preservatives. Uh, these kids are, are all of them, for the most part, very, very smart. Um, they, they see food as a fuel to their success. Um, they want the cleanest and the best that, uh, of nutrition. So um, we're seeing we're seeing thankfully um, a, a lot of um, um, of changes. Um, you know, when I started in this game in the seventies, uh, you could walk into any major league clubhouse, and there would be a whole rack of of chew. Okay, what they call chew. Uh, chewing tobacco and and guys would you know wander over to the chewing tobacco uh, rack and you had every brand under the sun and of course i i'm guesstimating probably at least half the players were chewing tobacco uh today um i I very seldom see anybody chewing tobacco and for the last 15 20 years there's been no chewing tobacco available in any clubhouse um it's it's absolutely not not uh um you know handed out um and uh, the incident of oral cancer um has dropped quite dramatically um you know we, we've seen a number of players back in the old days who ended up with oral cancers and and issues so you know you don't see that i haven't seen i, I haven't seen actually a professional baseball player uh, or for that matter, a professional athlete smoking um, in many, many years. I, I can't remember the last one I saw it, but I would say it's 15, 20 years ago. When as when I started in, in sports medicine, I would say probably at least a third of the athletes were smokers. So, you know, we've come a long, long, long way. And these kids today who are in the professional sports look at their bodies as, as their temple and they take care of it and they do everything they can, but it still doesn't stop that, that small minority uh, of players who want to self-medicate, who knowingly um, are are suffering, um, but they suffer in silence. They suffer in silence with emotional issues, mental health issues, um, joint pain issues, and they self-medicate and they think they can get through it. Um, and so, you know, we're hoping, and, and I'm seeing this throughout all pro sports, that um, most teams today carry um, a, a, not only one trainer, but usually three or four. There's nutritionists, there's anything from Pilates instructors, um, yoga instructors. I mean, it goes on and goes on and goes on. So, so many of these teams are offering uh, facilities and, and the resources to give the players everything that they can use to make their health and their strength so much better to withstand 
the needs of, of, of every given sport. I give it great credit to, to ownership and, and to senior management of, of all of these teams to make sure that um, the players are given every resource they can possibly ask for um, to uh, maintain and, 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 and actually grow their, their capabilities. So, um, you know, we're seeing some great stuff. What we need to be able to do, and, I, you know, I think it's probably the biggest question in, in all of sports, not just pro sports, is how do we police people who are getting themselves into trouble? We don't want to punish them. We, we want to help them. We, you know, we, we want to take these, these, these poor, unfortunate souls who have gone down the path of addiction and, and help them and get them, get them, you know, if you will, away from these drugs that they're buying somewhere. Um, and, 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 you know, we want to make sure we can also get after these, these, these characters who are providing the drugs and providing these, these medications that are unfortunately taking our kids' lives and, and, um, you know, doing the damage that, uh, you know, Tyler Skaggs had the end result to. So those are, those are the bad people, not, not the addicted people. The addicted people don't want to be addicted. The, the addicted people didn't ask to get addicted. Um, it was a, it was a side effect to self-medicating. And, and I think that's one area that in, in pro sports, we've got to do a much better job somehow. It's a, it's a tough thing, be, but, you know, because you're considered if, if, you know, in, in a pro sport environment, if you, if you tell on another player, you're ratting out a buddy, you're, you're ratting out a friend. And, and, um, you know, if we could get the players to understand that, you know what, if, if, if we could have found out about what had happened to, you know, to so many of these kids who end up overdosing, uh, that you're, you're saving his life. You're, you're not ratting him out. We don't want to punish him. We want to help him. Well, and it's a systemic problem and it's an educational problem. And it's nice to hear that, as you mentioned, the ownership is investing in the individual's health um, as, as much as they care about, obviously, their athletic talent prowess. Because I think until we fix the systemic issue, which I don't know if it's even possible but you know player number one doesn't want to be replaced by his backup um that's gonna an issue and for me and for me this is why I was you know elated to have you on because it really has seemingly per your research um been uh, a passion of yours to to invest in more preventative medicine, um, as opposed to invasive surgery or invasive technology that, like you said, can be harmful right. later right. on we, in life. We, you know, we've looked at, uh, you know, there's a big movement today, Aaron, looking at topical medications, um, you know, things that, that we know do so much less damage, um, than, than, um, some of the, some of the more serious medications. So, you know, can we accomplish, um, uh, you know, uh, certain uh, medical uh, results with less invasive uh, techniques. And, and so there's, there's so many things that are on the table right now in regards to um, um, using sound waves for treatment and um, um, using um, uh, light waves. And, and we've, seen, um, we've seen so much of this 
come out um, over the years um, where, you know, back in the old days, you know, surgery would be, you know, necessarily uh, a go-to for so many things. Whereas today, um, we would um, we we wouldn't use surgery. Uh, one of the one of the best examples I can think of, and again, uh, you know, not in all cases, but um, you know, when I trained anybody who ruptured an Achilles tendon, it was an automatic surgical repair. Whereas today, in the general population, a ruptured Achilles in in many cases uh, doesn't require surgery, and in fact, um, requires uh, not, you know not much more than immobilization and a great exercise program and a strengthening program. Um, and so, again, if you said what percentage, I, I I don't know exactly, but probably I'm guessing probably. 30, 40, 50% of Achilles ruptures um, are not going on for surgery, but rather going for the non-surgical approach. Um, and so, um, you know, we're looking at all these these kind of things. Um, in, in some cases, we're looking at uh, a tear of a knee cartilage. Uh, some of them are, are so minor um, that they repair themselves or uh, the doctors will go in and not take out the cartilage, but actually um, try and mend it with, um, uh, you know, using sutures. Um, so there's so many things that have changed, and, and medicine is, has been obviously at the forefront of, of making some tremendous strides in, in um, I call it, you know, preventative, which means really that you're not doing some, uh, some long and, and much more harmful techniques um, that we're able to do today um, through a scope, obviously, and, and, and through mending things as opposed to taking them out. So, you know, we're, 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 we're much better than, than we've ever been, and we've still got a long way to go. Um, you know, and the, the world down the road, uh, you know, of, of stem cell and uh, immunotherapy, um, these are things that are just starting to, to really take hold. And, and we're learning more and more on a day-to-day basis on how to, manipulate and and use those uh, uh opportunities and um uh it's exciting it's an exciting time and um i think you know when i look back on the care that we were able to give people and even the pro athletes in the 70s and 80s to what they get today uh, from imaging using mris and and uh, pet scanners and and cat scanners um, and, and uh, you know, what we had back in the 70s when I trained was an x-ray machine. And so it, it's fascinating to, to see the changes over the 44 years. But um, I still think um, we, we've got to do a better job um, for that self-medicating athlete. Uh, I, I still think we've got to do a much better job um, uh, in educating all patients, a- anybody on, you know, being aware that whatever you put in your mouth, whatever you're you're doing medication wise, know the side effects, know the short term, know the long term. Uh, you know, just because it's sold over the counter, um, you know, doesn't mean that that uh, you know you can take as much as you want and and be safe. And so, um, you know, you're a hundred percent right when you said earlier. You want to be the best you can be for every interview, for every moment that you're on air. Um, and, you know, it, it's a natural, normal thing. And, you know, in, 19, in the year 2019, we believe we can do that. We can take a pill and feel better. We can get rid of our headache by doing this. Um, and, you know, if, if we literally understand, you know, the consequences of, of self-medicating, 
um, I think we can we can save you know tens of thousands of lives every single year from people who get themselves into trouble. This has been absolutely amazing. There's a couple more because uh, I talked about it, I teased it earlier, but you know, look, there's a, a lot of issues obviously with the recovery as we spoke about with opioids and addictive drugs, and you know, hearing the latest uh, rising interest in people wanting to use CBD or even marijuana um, as potentially safer alternatives um, where athletes don't have to be addicted to a Vicodin, for instance, um, you know, for recovering from an injury or having to medicate it 24-7. Do you believe, Dr. Copeland, that we should invest perhaps some more research into these elements that are perhaps a more natural way to recover from injury like CBD or, or, or even marijuana? Well, so that's yeah, a great question, Aaron. And, and um, here's the, the best answer I can give you. The, the, the downside to CBD and all the marijuana derivatives, the, the single biggest downside from a medical standpoint is we simply don't have enough real evidence-based medicine to support it. We, we don't. It, it just, it doesn't exist, you know, in, in, the, in the literature. So that, that's one side of, of what, you know, all physicians will look for is what does the evidence say? What, what is the, the, the great double-blind studies done by great institutions uh, say about the, the benefits of CBD and, and marijuana, marijuana uh, derivatives? But there's a second side, and, and this is a part that uh, will always, you know, come under scrutiny, and that is the anecdotal side. And the anecdotal side, Aaron, is when somebody, you know, rubs CBD on their, their knee and their pain goes away. Is it, is it because of the CBD? Is it because of um, a placebo effect? Placebo effect meaning mind over body. Um, and, uh, you know, so you, you've got the naysayers who would say, well, you know, CBD uh, isn't doing anything. It's the rubbing of the oil in that's causing the, the positive effect. And you'd get the same uh, effect because of uh, uh, if you tried to rub in, um, uh, you know, Vaseline or whatever. And, and, and so the real, the real issue, first and foremost, that medicine has to do and that the researchers have to do is give us the information of to what's the harm that's going to be done. Uh, topically and orally. So by using CBD, what is the topical uh, benefits, but what's the side effect? What is the negative? Um, can it you know, show us in five or 10 or 15 years that the CBD is causing um, a, you know, um, uh, psychoses or causing osteoporosis? We don't know. We don't have that answer. But from an anecdotal standpoint, um, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming on an anecdotal basis to see people who are taking CBD oil for sleep and 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 resolving sleep issues. Um, for pa patients taking CBD oil for seizures, epileptic seizures, and getting outstanding results. Um, it's uh, having people take CBD oil um, and using it topically. Um, for joint pain. So we're seeing these results anecdotally. 
where people are coming back and saying, yeah, you know what? That I, I got some CBD oil and it worked fabulous. The negative is that we don't have any evidence-based medicine to support it. And um, I think the, the big issue over the next number of years um, for this whole, excuse my pun, but budding industry of cannabis is going to prove very clearly, very clearly that there is some major benefit. I mean, anecdotally, I've seen it. I've seen patients who have suffered with a number of different things that are getting the benefits and relief. And I've seen so much of it that I can't believe that it's, if you will, placebo. And I can't believe that it's just anecdotal. But I also believe strongly that we need the evidence-based medicine to show us what it really is good for. Um, is it good for sleep? And if it's good for sleep, what's the negative for sleep? What are we doing? Are we hurting livers? Are we hurting spleens? Are we hurting kidneys? Are we hurting, you know, what are the negatives? So, um, you know, as somebody said yesterday to me, um, do I believe, do I believe that CBD oil is more harmful than opioids? And the answer is no, I don't believe that for one second. Um, and I've, I've seen, um, you know, because remember in Canada, uh, marijuana is, has been legal now for a year and we see a, 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 a whack load of patients medicating with, you know, CBD topical oils and we're seeing results, real results. And so, um, you know, am I a prescriber? No. Uh, am I a believer? I'm, um, I, I'm on the sidelines watching carefully to see the benefits versus the 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 side effects um i'm i'm uh, you know screaming out for um the great institutions of of north america um to do the research necessary to once and for all you know give us the benefits and the negatives of of this medication and and don't Kid yourself, marijuana is a medication. Um, there is, there's no question about that. But the question that begs to be asked is: We need evidence-based medicine to tell us where um, where this can be used. Where are the real benefits? Where are the downsides? Where shouldn't it be used? So, um, medicine and 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 uh, uh, has a job to do, um, a major job here, uh, and it, uh, you know. It's it's a call to action by the researchers to the researchers is let's let's find out let let's get the answers so that if there are benefits let's make sure people are getting the benefits let's find out what dosage levels should be available we don't know I mean when you take CBD oil how much do you take do you take a spoon do you take half a spoon is there any regulations as to how much tea you know uh, TFC, you know, should be in the medication. And it goes on and goes on and goes on. And so we, we've got to be exceptionally careful and vigilant to make sure that we get the research. And of course, that's why I was um, very excited to have you on because you're on the forefront of trying to, at the very least, find safer, more effective and healthier ways to treat injuries and illness um, rather than what we've seen in the past. And certainly, I know Tyler Skaggs' family uh, wish that things would have been different in terms of 
handling his injury and handling his recovery. So I'm so grateful, Dr. Copeland, to have you on and shed some light on a serious issue that I think doesn't get enough attention. And what is the the medicine and the technology like in the world of professional sports and beyond, because uh, we should not see our athletes or really anyone passing away from things that they don't need to take um, that are affecting their lives and their loved ones. And I can speak uh, from experience. So if people want to learn more about you, Dr. Copeland, um, is there a website that they can learn more about what you're doing in your company? Yeah, so um, our company website and and you know what we're doing is called it's uh, the name of the company is Copeland Biosciences, but our website is copelandbio.com and uh, talking about all of the our topical uh, treatments that we're using and um, the uh, benefits that we're seeing and uh, you know if, if we can ever stop uh, one more. Tyler Skaggs issue from ever happening again, uh, this will all be worth it. We are so grateful for you, Dr. Copeland. Thank you so very much for your time. And we look forward to learning more about your preventative medicine. Aaron, thank you very much for having me. It was a real pleasure. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.